0: Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message.
1: 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, I want to read something to you. We have a, I've asked a few people to come and share tonight, as sometimes we do tag team preaching. So you're going to hear some good word tonight. Um, But I, there's a scripture that we've talked about uh, many times and you've heard me talk about it, especially when it comes to the great exchange um, and what we have become as a result of what Christ became. And one of those things is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and particularly verse 9 that says that you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became what? That you, through his poverty, might become rich. I was laying on my bed a couple of days ago, and I had this audio Bible on while I was napping, trying to nap. And, um, and this chapter was up, and the man who was reading it, just reading it along, and all of a sudden this light came on when I heard this verse. I've read this verse many times, I've studied this verse, extracted different kinds of truths from it, but something in particular stood out. And so I began to study it out, and I just want to just get some good stuff to you for just a moment, all right, I know we've got all kinds of preach ready to go. But verse 1 says, moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. All right, This is talking about places like the Philippian church, the, Thess- the, the Thessalonian church, and that region over there, Okay, which was westward, when Paul saw that vision, a man from Macedonia saying, come over and help us, and this is what he's talking about. And Those churches there, listen to this, that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy, and their deep poverty. You usually don't mix abundant joy with deep poverty. It's like oil and water. But he says the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality, or, in other words, it turned into generosity. Extraordinary. There was deep poverty plus abundant joy equal generous giving. How, how, how is that? How is that? The equation. How is that the answer? You add those things up, how does it come out to generous giving? They were poor, but they were joyful. And apparently, the, their joy was not predicated upon what they had or did not have. But because of that, they were able then to give generously. Generously. Listen to this, for I bear bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing. In other words, we weren't asking them to do this. We weren't begging them to do this. This was a free will offering. They heard about a need, and they got excited about helping this need. It's extraordinary, isn't it? Imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And he's talking in particular about these poor saints in Jerusalem that they were trying to collect some money for to go help them out, okay? And not only as, so he's taking money from poor people and giving it to poor people. You catching this? I'm not saying he's taking it, he's receiving it from them. They're happily giving it. It's amazing. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. In other words, what he's saying is they first gave into their house, they first gave into their church, and then they also gave to us. Where's all this coming from? These people are in deep poverty. So we urge Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in you as well. What's this grace he's talking about? What is this grace that he's saying? That the grace that was there, we hope that this grace is in you too. That is the grace of giving. Let me just say that the grace of giving is generous giving. All right, that's what it is, the grace of giving. Because it's not giving out of compulsion. It's not giving begrudgingly. It's giving because you're excited to give. It is prompt and ready to act, cheerful to give. This is what he's talking about. So the grace of giving generously, of their own free will. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. What's that grace? Giving, and particularly Generous giving. Abound in this grace. of I speak not by commandment. But I love the way Paul throws throws this verse in there. I love the way among all this teaching, he said, I don't speak by commandment, but I'm testing the sincerity of your love. That's all. You're testing the sincerity of my love? That's a big test. I'm testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. In other words, I'm trying to provoke you. You know, it's one thing to say you love God. But Jesus did say where your treasure is. There your heart is also. Right? For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here it is. What's this grace he's talking about? What's the subject here? What is the, the particular grace he's talking about? Help me out here. The grace of generous giving. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich... Yet for your sakes, he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Jesus became poor, not because he was born poor, not because he didn't have a job, not because he couldn't make ends meet. Jesus became poor as a gift, as a result of a gift. That's what I should say. As the result of giving everything that he had, he became poor that we through this generous gift would become rich wow isn't that something he gave all of himself you through his poverty well what is this poverty how did you get poor by giving this kingdom of god stuff is so backwards to our way of thinking you want to get rich become poor Well, how do I become poor? By giving. Generous giving. Let nothing be in the way. Let nothing have a hold on you. And this is what's extraordinary. He says that you, through his poverty, might become rich. The end result is rich. The end result is not poor. Poor is the process. I'm not talking about the curse of poverty. I'm talking about intentionally being poor. By giving, knowing that, The end result is that you might be rich. Is that extraordinary or what? So this is a temporary poverty then. It's not a forever poverty. It's temporary. And he says, see that you abound in this kind of grace. See that you abound in this generous kind of giving. You must be poor to be rich. Jesus said, whoever wants to be first needs to be last. That's not how we do it. If we want to be first, then we, we're first in line. Right? You want to enter the kingdom of God? Then you've got to become like a little child. You must be born again. Well, how am I going to do it? Even Nicodemus said, well, how am I going to do that? Am I supposed to climb back in my mother's womb? <laughs> see, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit. So, what is this, genera- what is this grace? It's the grace of giving. In other words, let, the, let this abound in your life. Let this abound This Grace of giving, generous giving, so that He can unlock the riches to you. Amen? Because His plan for you is to bless you, and therefore you be a blessing. All right, you ready to hear some preaching now? Thank you for tolerating me there for a few minutes. But I want to call first and foremost one of our illustrious board members, the great Dr. Steve Bolden.
2: Tonight, I want to start with a rabbit tail. A few years ago, Twana and I had a cat, and unfortunately, after 16 years, it met its demise. At that time, we decided not to get another house pet. Now, the following year, I had a bright idea. We had a wild rabbit in our backyard that lived under my shed. And I said, hey, I might be able to tame it. So, what I did, I got food. And I set it right next to where it uh, spent its days. Because I could see where, where it laid during the day. But that rabbit refused to eat it. He, he would never touch it. Now, the next spring... That rabbit moved on, and another rabbit took its place. So I decided to try it again. So I bought these carrots, and I just threw them in the yard. And that rabbit would go seek and find those carrots. And I thought, hey, if if he's eating those carrots, I want to watch him eat it. So I went to the store, and I bought these little baby carrots, and I put them on the patio. And, yeah, he came to the patio, and he started eating those carrots. I was very surprised that in one sitting he could eat 25 of those little baby carrots, (laughs) this little baby rabbit. So it got where he would come to the patio when he saw Tawana or I come out the back door. Uh... And if we didn't bring the carrots out by a certain time, he would come up to the back door and stand up on his hind legs just to be seen. Now, not any old carrots would do. We ran out of carrots one day, and I went to the store, and I just bought the regular carrots, put them out on the patio as usual. He refused to eat them. You know, he expected the best. He had gotten used to eating those organic grown baby carrots. So, one time we came to church and on the way back, we saw this rabbit across the street. And he saw us. And he ran across the street, ducked under the fence, and was on the patio by the time I got in the house. He was waiting on his carrots. So finally, this rabbit, I think, told all of his rabbit friends (laughs) how many hands full on purpose that he was getting at my house. By the time we moved, we had nine rabbits living in our backyard, and we were buying about nine pounds of carrots per week just to feed them. When we moved, our carrot bill went down <laughs> drastically. Now, you have something in common with those rabbits. Someone died and went to heaven for your sake. You know, better yet, he left you an inheritance. It's Ephesians 1.11 that says, In him we have also... Uh, In Him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of Him, who works all things according to the counsel of His will. You know, Christians are like those two rabbits. Some are like that first rabbit. Uh, They miss out on the blessings of God. Uh, They might feel like they're not good enough. To receive God's blessings. Or they might not ask the Lord for his favor. But Proverbs 8.35 says. For whosoever finds me finds life. And will obtain favor of the Lord. Now the dictionary defines whoever. As any person involved in the situation that you're describing. So any person means everyone here that can hear my voice. If you seek out the Lord, you will receive His favor. Now, you receive favor because of His great love and grace. Uh, It's not something that you earn. It's nothing that you really even deserve. Yet, because you're in Jesus Christ, God has poured out uh, His favor on your lives. Now, other Christians... Or like that second rabbit. You know, they've opened their heart to God and they're highly favored. They only expect the best, just like that rabbit. He expected the best. They make themselves known to God. Today, expect the best and make it known to God. You know, you have access uh, by faith into God's favor. You know, His favor surrounds you. And your faith releases it. It's Psalms 512 that says, God encompasses me with favor like a shield. Everywhere I go, everywhere I do, I am favored of God. You know, that means everywhere you go, you have an advantage. You have a divine presence opening up the right doors and causing the right things to fall in place. So begin to expect God's favor in your life. Speak the favor of God over your family, over your job, or over anything else that concerns you. You can have that favor in your life. You know, old Bo Pilgrim, you remember him, the chicken guy? He's one that said, I'll never sell a, a fat yaller chicken. Well, he used to have another saying about his chicken, but it also applies to God's favor, and it's... It's a mind-boggling thing, and truly it is. So today, expect God's favor uh, to open the doors that no man can shut.
1: Thank you, good doctor. That's a great word, rabbit tail. Awesome. Kayla Griffith, come on, girl.
3: Okay, If you will, grab your Bible or your phone or turn your eyes to the screen, and let's go to Ephesians 4, verses 14. Pastor Eric asked me at like 4.30, calls me and says, hey, Kayla, can you do a message tonight? So I don't even know what I'm going to say, so let's just do it. Ephesians 4, verse 14. It says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth and love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Okay, two years ago, me and my friend Carlo went to Thailand. We were um, on an island called Phi Phi Island, and it's a pretty popular tourist place to go. Um, it was in a movie called The Beach. Has anyone ever seen that movie? Leonardo DiCaprio was in it. I've never seen it, but a lot of people go there because it's really, really beautiful. So we're like, while we're there, we're definitely going to go see this place. But Carla and I, were both a little bit cheap, especially whenever we travel, we're penny pinchers, we don't want to spend a lot of money. So we decided to opt for the cheapest boat tour. Now, I don't know if you've been to Asia, and I'm not trying to be racist or anything, but things are a little bit sketchy <laughs> sometimes. This happened to be one of those times. Um, it was uh, storming that day, so we thought for sure that they were going to cancel the tour. So we go to meet the guy and get our voucher for like the next day or something. But no, we arrive and they're loading up the boat. It's a little boat and a lot of people. We're all like, are all of these people going to get on this one boat? Yep. Okay. We're all getting on the boat. We're still doing this. All right. So we're all a little bit nervous. There's probably like 20 of us on on this little boat. And we're kind of like murmuring like, it's stormy. And like the story's getting closer, it's actually really intense and like the waves are coming and it's, it's I'm not gonna lie, it was really terrifying. I think my parents might be watching this and I've never told them this story, so sorry, mom and dad. But um, the waves are like massive, like truly. I was really, really scared. And then the boat dies, like the engine quits and we're stranded in the middle of <laughs> this body of water, and it's like pouring down rain and the guy doesn't speak any English and we all think like this is the end for us. So then we have to actually abandon the boat. And swim ashore to this other <laughs> island because the boat had died. So we're like all swimming, and then finally he somehow fixes the boat. So then we have to swim back and get on the boat, and we're like, okay, we're definitely going home at this point. There's no way that he's gonna continue with this tour. But we paid that money, and he was gonna get us there, like it or not. So he just kept going. Like we're still moving forward after the boats died, we're all wet from swimming in the water. And the waves are so <laughs> big, and we're like freaking out. Like it was crazy. But then we came to this clearing. And it opened up into like, one of the most beautiful sights I've ever seen, honestly. It was stunning emerald water. And like, we all got out this time to swim, not to abandon ship, but we swam. And it was like, truly one of the most amazing things I've experienced. So what I want to say to you is that you might be in a storm. The waves might be massive in your life right now. Sometimes things don't go according to plan, and that's a really real situation to be in. But let me remind you that you have a hope that is an anchor for your soul. Psalms 119 50 says, this is my comfort and my affliction for your word has given me life. First Corinthians 15 verse 57 58 says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. Back to Ephesians, let us no longer be children tossed to and fro because the storm is not the end of your story. We have victory in Christ. He is our peace. He is our deliverance. He is our source of victory. There's promise on the other side of the storm. If you keep going, although that tide guy was a little bit crazy to keep going, we made it. We got to the paradise. We got to the promise. And that's my encouragement to you is to cling to your faith in the storm. Stand on the word that is your anchor. And you will not be moved. That's all I have to say. Thank you.
1: Yeah, you came up with something, and I knew you would, because I know you can. Amen. That was great, Kayla. Thank you very much. Awesome, awesome, awesome word. Nathan Sauce, come and bring the word, buddy. Thank you.
4: Greetings. How
1: are you all doing tonight? All right, if you can, open
4: up to Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5. Hebrews chapter 8. Are you guys ready? All right, tonight I want to talk to you um, about the substance. See, the substance is much more excellent than the shadow. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5 says, They serve a copy and shadow of heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than, uh, than the old, as the covenant he mediates is better. Say better. Since it, since it is enacted upon better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a sec- second. The substance is much more excellent than the shadow. See, the substance here is Christ. The shadow here is is the tabernacle, or the law and the prophets, everything pointing to Christ. Right now, there's a shadow behind me. There's a shadow I'm casting because there's a light coming upon me. And I, right now, am the substance of my shadow. But the shadow is, it points to me, and it, everybody here knows that if there's a shadow behind me, then there has to be a substance here. Right? There is always a substance attached to a shadow. But the shadow is nothing, it is absolutely nothing in comparison to the actual substance itself. When uh, when I was a youth pastor, uh, I was a youth pastor for four and a half years. So I was two and a half years down in Dallas at Hope City, Dallas, which was One Cause Dallas. I helped plant it several years ago. Uh, and while I was down there and I was youth pastoring, there was one student in particular that I kind of started to father. I started to pour into and, and to... Uh, be kind of a father figure in his life, um, and one particular morning, I, I came to church. It was about 10 a.m. We were about to start church at 10:30. I came to church, and somebody came up to me. A little five-year-old kid came up to me, and he said, "Nathan, did you hear what happened?" And I said, "No, what happened?" And he said, uh, "I'm just going to say Michael. Michael, <laughs> his uh, his mom shot at his dad." I was like, uh, "Okay, <laughs> all right." Uh, let's figure this out. So I go to I go to uh, Pastor Derek down there, and I'm like, "What's going on here?" He's like, "Yeah, Michael's mom shot at his dad. You might want to go and comfort him." And so I said, "Okay." Uh, so they live just right down the street. So I walked down the street right before service, and I went over there, and there were there was a cop car there, and the student was in the back seat there, uh, sitting, and the mom was talking to the cop, giving her account of what had happened. Um, and so I. Uh, I went over there. I went and hugged his mom. And, and she said, you better hug him. He's not doing too well. So he jumps out of the cop car and runs over to me. He's like, Nathan. And then like an hour later where I bring him to church. And an hour later, he's helping out with kids church. He comes down from kids church. And it's in between worship and the word. He comes down from kids church. And he, he comes up to me. He's like, thank you, Nathan, for always being there for me. And I knew in that moment that he really didn't have a father because the thing was his father was abusive and his, his father was treating him incorrectly. Uh, and so I was the only real representation of a father that he ever had in his life. And I was able to be that to him. And so throughout my years of youth pastoring, I had these shadows of fatherhood. I had these shadows that taught me uh, how to be a better father, how to Uh, how to establish myself as a father and and throughout these years it pointed me uh, to who I could be as a father but I'm telling you that now I can tell you that the substance is much more excellent than the shadow because I'm speaking from the substance of being a father we're pregnant and let me tell you something Let me tell you something. You may be living in less than what God has called you to. He's called you to excellence. He's called you to far more. He's called you to the substance. See, there used to be this tabernacle that people would have to come into. There used to be this temple that people would have to come into and offer sacrifices, but Jesus went in as as a once-for-all sacrifice, and now you can enter in to the most holy place. You can enter in, and you can know that the shadow is not all you get. You don't just get the law and the prophets. You don't get the the pointing to, the arrow, but now you get the substance of Christ. He has provided for every single thing that you need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He has given you exceedingly abundantly above anything you could ask or think, and he is the substance of your life.
1: Uh, that's one way to announce it. Congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations, Heather. Wow, how how far are you? Six weeks. Got a little ways to go. That's great. Praise God. Amen. All right. Who? Valerie Foster. Won't you come bring the word tonight? <laughs> Man, I've been looking forward to this. <laughs>
0: Scripture tonight is going to be Philippians 4 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. In this, he's talking about character and conduct begin in the mind. How many of you, when we were younger, remember playing the game telephone? You'd line up, object is, first person starts to tell it whisper in the ear and it goes down the line and you're trying to get this last person to repeat what the first person said. But it never happened. I mean, it always changed. And finally, you know, you'd laugh a few times and then it happened and on the 63rd time, somebody's about to get an elbow to the Adam's apple because you're done. You're tired of playing this game. Somebody needs to get it right so you can go on, right? Yeah. Well, now we play the grown-up version. Facebook. Twitter, (laughs) texting, in person, the news. It's the grown-up version of telephone. And usually, most likely, is not how it originally started, right? It's not a good report. It's not what's praiseworthy. It's not what things are just. And how many times have we heard Pastor Eric tell us, what's in here gets in here, comes out here. So what you're talking about is going to come out. My daddy used to have a lot of sayings to his kids all the time, one of the things he used to say to me right before I'd leave to go out for the weekend, because, you know, big plans in Princeton as a teenager, he would always say, remember who you are. And I'd be like, man, now my whole night's changed, because now I can't go out and do what I was going to do, because I have to remember who I am. I have to do what I'm supposed to do. So I'm like, all right, thanks for that, Dad. Appreciate it. And then he used to tell us, don't be a trash can. Well, the first time he told me that, I was like, Pop, what are you talking about? don't be a trash can. Okay, that's good. I won't be a trash can. I was like, Dad, what are, you, what are you saying? He's like, don't be somebody else's dumping ground for their trash. Don't let what their speech and what they're talking about, if it's trash, put a lid on it and walk away. If you can't say something good about what's going on, then walk away. How many know when somebody, when you're gropping and you're talking to somebody you're gropping about somebody they say something good about that person, you just kind of stop in your tracks and you're like, what? No, no, you were supposed to join in with my grop session. What just happened here? And as a trash can, over time, all the junk and the gunk starts to stick to the side, even when you dump out the trash. There's stuff that still sticks in there. So he's talking about here, if you can't measure it up against whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are just, whatever is a good report, get rid of it, put a lid on it, walk away. The other thing he used to always remind us of is it's the small foxes that spoil the vine. It's those little things that get in there that you're not recognizing You know, you as dads, you have little boys watching you wanting to mimic what you do. You as mamas, I'm the nursery director, I know, they're watching. They're repeating, even at two, they're repeating what is going on everywhere you go. I have a nephew that whatever his daddy does, oh, he's going to do it. He refused to wear any other kind of underwear other than the kind his daddy wore. He wouldn't wear anything else to bed other than what his daddy did. His daddy goes to school during the week, and his mom had to call him one night and say, would you please tell your son that you wear a tank top to bed? He refused to do it, but as soon as Daddy got on the phone and told him, Yeah, I do I do, bud, he hangs up. I mean, fight was over that quick. So remember you're being watched, what you're talking about, what's being said, how you're playing that grown-up game of telephone. Remember you're being watched by all the people around you. In Proverbs 16, uh, let me see here. Proverbs 16, 23 and 24, the heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. Pleasant words are like honeycombs, sweetness to the soul, and health to the bones. You know, um, I always tell my mom this when we're talking or when my brothers are getting mad. Soft answer turns away wrath. Usually that I'll shut them up because they usually don't want to hear that from me, but it's true. It's very true that whenever somebody is coming at you that way, if you'll just soft answer to it. Watch what it does to your insides. Watch what it does to your mind. How it just totally changes the situation. You know, my dad had all these sayings. He's a pretty smart man to his children. If we'd heed to his word, just like our heavenly Father, he's a pretty smart fella. If we'll heed to his word, I promise you'll come out on top every single time. <laughs>
1: hey, what that preach doing? Was that fantastic or what? Wow. We're going to hear from you more in the future. Amen. Pastor Alex Ammons. Come bring the word, buddy.
5: All right. Good evening, One Cause Church. I've got a message for you that I have titled, It Only Takes a Taste. It Only Takes a Taste. Psalm 34, verse 8. David said, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, and I love that David says taste, because he knows if you can just get a glimpse, if you can just get that taste, if you can just get a small part, a small idea of who and what God is, that your whole life's going to change, and that you'll never stop pursuing God, and you'll never stop wanting more. when you go to an ice cream shop, I sample all the flavors because I want to make sure that whatever flavor I'm going to get is the best flavor. So I sample the peanut butter. I sample the cookie dough. I sample everything that looks good. And whatever tastes the best to me, that's what I'm going to get, and that's what I'm going to go after. And when Jesus turned the water into wine at the wedding in Cana, he gave it to the master of of the ceremony, and, and he tasted the wine. He tasted it, and he immediately said, You've saved the best wine for the last. All it took was a taste, and he knew that the wine that Jesus had to give him was better than anything else that he was going to get. He knew that that was the best wine. It was better than any other wine that he had at that party. Jesus' wine was the best wine. In the words of Sarah Borellis, It only takes a taste. It only takes a taste. One bite is more than enough to know you want more of the thing you just got a taste of. It only takes a taste. One bite, that's all you need and you know that God is good and you know that everything he has for you is good. You know that nothing that that he he has to give you is gonna fail. You know that nothing he has is is ever gonna go flat. And when I go out to eat, Sometimes I have to stop myself from tasting something because I know that when I start, I'm not going to stop. Because I have this problem where I have have this self-control issue where I I can't stop myself from eating food. I went out to a birthday dinner the other night and and we got this chocolate cake because it was a birthday. And uh, they kept saying, here, Alex, try a bite of it. But I would not because I knew if I started, I was not going to stop until that entire thing was gone. You know, it's time for each and every one of you to experience what God is about. It's time for each and every one of you to get a taste of who God is and, and what he can do because God is good. In fact, James chapter 1, verse 17 says, every good and perfect gift comes from God because God is good and he only does good and, and I, I challenge you to get a taste of who God is tonight. If you haven't experienced him in your life, in your finances, in your health, I want to challenge you to taste and see that the Lord is good. I want to challenge you to step out in faith and say, God, I believe you in my finances, and I believe that you're going to change the situation, and you're going to see God move, and I guarantee you when you start living in the reality that God has came to give you, you're never going to want to stop. You're never going to want to turn away, and you're never going to stop short of what he has for you. In fact, there's a a verse in Ephesians that talks about how we're filled with all the fullness of God. And and God is good and everything that he has is good and and whatever you get from God is good and I want to challenge you to keep going after that fullness. To keep stepping out and believing for more and more and okay you've experienced him in your finances experienced him in your health. Okay you've experienced him in your family so experience him in every other aspect of your life. Maybe maybe you've been on the fence about God and maybe you haven't had that experience but today it's it's time you make the decision maybe that decision is that you need to get involved and serve. Maybe it's you need to join a life group, whatever that is for you, you need to step out and taste and see that the Lord is good because he's got some good things for you. Thank you.
1: He is an eater. He's been, he's eaten in my house several times. And once you get him started, it's hard to stop him. And he's, and he's emotional, his emotions are, are right next to his taste buds. My wife told me that Alex ate it at that Paula Deen restaurant here in McKinney and cried <laughs> while he ate that food. So this guy knows how to taste. We have one more. Can you take one more? Yeah. Well, we'll see. After she's done preaching, we'll see if you can take it or not. Miss Ashley Tamborin is going to come bring a word.
6: Thank you, sir. All right. Good evening. What a good lineup. Amen. Okay, well, I just want to jump directly into the word because the last couple years I've been on a journey, just like everybody, that's kind of you know ambiguous to say. Everybody's on a journey, but we go through ups and downs, and I went through a divorce and just all kinds of moves and things happening in my life. And so on that journey, the Lord is really showing me how to address pain, how he feels about our pain, how he feels about what we're going through. And so he led me to John chapter 11, And it's the story of Lazarus. And we're gonna pick up in 32, but just a little bit of backstory. Jesus hears about one of his really good friends, Lazarus, is gravely ill. He chooses to stay where he's at with his disciples. He doesn't go and see Lazarus, he waits two days because he knows that there's more glory uh, to come if he goes and visits Lazarus later. So they go ahead and go to Bethany, that's where Lazarus and Mary and Martha live. Many good stories take place at, you know, Lazarus's house, lots of good times, and he has lots of interactions with them. So he waits at the edge of town. Martha, the first sister, comes out and has an exchange with Jesus, and then she goes and gets her sister Mary, and Mary comes, and that's where we'll pick up in verse 11, 32. It says, when Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him. And I like the Amplified version because it said, Jesus was deeply moved to the point of anger because of the sorrow that death brings. And that really highlights it for me. And so it says, and he was deeply troubled, and he said, where have you put him? And they told him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept, and the people standing nearby saw how much said, Oh, how much he loved him. That is the first thing that really stood out to me about Jesus and our pain. He was with Mary in that moment. He didn't say, Oh, no, no, Mary, it's okay. You know, just, just wait for what you see. He didn't say, Oh, Mary, get over it. It's gonna be fine. Stand up, wipe your face. He didn't say, Oh, this is your fault. He didn't say any of those things. He was grieved. In that very moment with his daughter that was hurting, he knew everything that was going on and he was really with her. And that is the first thing that I want to point out is that God is with you in that moment. It is very real to him. It is very tangible to him. It is not flippant. He knows the outcome, but he is right there in that moment. So then we move ahead. And it says in 38, Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb, a cave with a stone rolled across his entrance. And he said, roll the stone aside. But Martha, the other sister, protested and said, Lord, he's been dead for four days and the smell will be too terrible. And Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you, that, that you would see God's glory if you believe? And so they rolled the stone away. And this really, for me, parallels, Martha parallels the pride that we have when we're in pain. We want to keep a lid on it, don't we? Oh, God, don't let it seep out. I'm about to see people, and I cannot let this come out of me. I cannot let people know the pain I'm in. I cannot let them know the struggle that I'm in. But you have to roll away the stone in order for God to speak to the death that's in your life. Don't you know he could have spoke through that stone? He could have busted it right off, but it took them rolling it away and exposing it for what it was so that it could be healed by Jesus. And we say, oh, we believe, we believe, but God, could we keep this under wraps till I just get it all fixed up in here? So that's why he said, if you believe and if you will humble yourself, then I'm going to do something. And that's what he did. So then we scroll down just a little bit farther, and he says, he looks up at heaven. He says, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I say it out loud for the sake of these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me, and then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come forth, and the dead man came out, and I tell you what, guys, this comes to our pain. It is not just talking about physical death. Jesus speaks to dreams. Jesus speaks to hope. Jesus speaks to purpose. And he will stand at the cave of your heart. And when that stone is rolled away, Jesus will say, dreams come forth. And they sure will. Hope come forth. And it will get up. And I tell you what, the reason why Jesus waited was because so many people came to Christ because of Lazarus. And the pain in your life and the death in your life is not a light thing. Many people will hear about what God has done in you. And it will be the life song that you have shared. So I would encourage you, know that God is with you in that moment. Let down your pride. Let the Lord come in and speak to the death in your life because it will Bring him glory. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. God, you spoke this message to me, Lord Jesus. And I know you told me there were people here that need to hear it, God. I thank you, Jesus, that you are doing a mighty work. There is no small thing. There is no small room. There is no atmosphere that you cannot permeate. Holy Spirit, come in and speak like the voice of many waters and speak to each and every heart so that they know where you are working. I pray for dreams. I pray for hopes. I pray for purpose that is ignited in Jesus' name. I thank you, God, for the things that are coming down the pike right now in the name of Jesus. God, that you will be glorified in their life, God. And that it will be not some small like, oh, yeah, praise God, hallelujah. But, God, it will be dynamic. And that it will spread your word. God, these seats will be filled because of the testimony coming out of this room tonight. Thank you, Father God, for your work. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. I bless your name. I give you praise, God. Thank you for the people that I go to church with, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the people and the men and women in this room. Thank you, Father God. Do your work and have your way. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you, Father. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.
1: Now can we just stay here for just a moment? I'll, I'll, tonight, I want you to just take a... A physical step of faith, physical action. Tonight, I want you to come out of that and say, just as Lazarus came out of that too, tonight, I want you to come forward tonight. You're going to make your statement of faith right here. You're going to make. Your, you're going to respond to his resurrection life. Respond to his voice who's calling you into life from that dark place, from that deadness in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit have your way I surrender I surrender have Lord, right now you see, you see these who have come forward tonight taking action on this word, saying, responding to you and saying, yes, be the resurrection and the life. Remember that word resurrection means your stand up and recover again. Your stand up again and recover. He is right now causing you to stand up again and recover in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, right now for breathing fresh life, new life into these lives into these situations out of darkness and into his marvelous light out of blindness into sight hallelujah in the name of jesus lord i thank you right now that oppression is has has been lifted even in this atmosphere of your burden removing yoke destroying power the anointing of the holy spirit right now is here and it's here to bring freedom it's here to break those chains It's here to remove everything that is not of God in Jesus' name. So, Lord, right now we thank you for the turnaround. We thank you for the recovery. We thank you for the reconciliation. We thank you for the healing. We thank you for the blessing. We thank you for the provision. We thank you for the life in Jesus' name. Right now, for peace, joy, unspeakable and full of glory. Peace that surpasses all understanding in the name of Jesus. Father God, I thank you right now that though there has been mourning, no longer, that mourning is now turned to joy. I'm going to say something on that. I'll leave you with this. This is John chapter 11. And Ashley was talking about this story of Lazarus. is quite possibly his greatest miracle. I mean, There were some pretty fantastic, feeding 5,000 people. And all, but bringing somebody back from the dead, being dead four days, I'd probably say that's the biggest. The next chapter, John chapter 12, Jesus is at someone's house. He's actually at Judas, his betrayer's father's house guy by the name of Simon. Judas is there. Mary and Martha and Lazarus are there. Now, it's interesting about Lazarus. Let me ask you a question. If you heard that there was a man who had been dead four days who was coming to your town and he was going to tell his story, would you be interested in seeing that guy? I'd be. One, I'd want to hear from him, right? If he was anywhere in your proximity, you, you would probably try to go to that event. You know, if you had all the Make sure it's true. All the proof that we have to have. We're such skeptics, but um, there's a table there. The thing, what's interesting is, is that Martha is quoted. Mary's quoted. You never hear from Lazarus. Nothing he ever. Said is ever quoted in the scripture. I find that interesting that out of those three, the one who has the biggest story to tell is not speaking. And at and at Simon's house, it says Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table. Mary does this extravagant worship, pours this alabaster box. Martha's busy serving, and the guy who's got the story is sitting. Don't sit. Don't sit with this miracle in your life. Don't sit on this testimony. Open your mouth and declare what God has done in your life. Speak of His goodness. Taste and see with the Lord that the Lord is good and declare His goodness. This is not meant to just be a personal issue here tonight. Alright? The Lord wants to speak through you so that you can bring hope to many others. Amen. Amen. You believe this word tonight? You guys have received this tonight? And I believe that your best days truly are yet to come. And as Steve started this whole thing, expect the best. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's let's all stand together tonight. I just want to pronounce a blessing over you. now may the Lord bless you and keep you. And cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Can we have one more big hand for our preachers tonight? Wasn't that great tonight?
0: Thank you. Thank you all so very much. God bless you. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.